What if I told you that you can support your blood pressure and healthy CoQ10 levels with two chews a day? The new Super Beats Heart Chews Advanced is now supercharged with CoQ10. That's like getting CoQ10 for free. Our powerful blend of beetroot, grapeseed extract, and CoQ10 supports your cardiovascular health. Visit RadioBeats.com and find out how you can get a free 30-day supply on bundles and save 15% with the promo code DEAL. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. Hey everybody, good day to you and welcome to Beekeeping for Newbies. All right, folks, we are jumping in here to episode four. Today we are going to discuss the parts and the pieces of the hive. So whenever you think of in your mind what a beehive looks like to you, it's generally that thing you would see in a movie or probably seen in a lot of videos where it's a box, multiple boxes stacked on top of each other, all painted white pretty standard looking thing, right? That's probably the vision that most people get in their minds. Uh, The good news here is that that's just one way of doing things. And there are a lot of different configurations, different ways you can put hives together, putting together different types of hives for different purposes. And we're going to try and cover all that today. And, uh, you know, as always, please feel free to shoot me an email. Just jump into beekeepingfornewbies.com. There's a contact us link. You know, just shoot me a note. Hey, I, I like the podcast. I don't like it. Please do this. Please don't do this. You know, whatever. You know, I'm just trying to engage with folks and help them get started. And your feedback is definitely, definitely welcomed. So as I kind of jump in here, I will tell you, as I have told you, you know, similarly in the past here, There is a lot of information out there. Some of it's great. Some of it's not so much. And I think there is some of it that is people just trying to sell you things because they make it. And somebody put it in a book once. So as long as it's in a book somewhere or published somewhere, someone will have a reason to try and sell it to you. I'm going to try and get past a little bit of that fluff and uh, see if we can give you some, some useful information to kind of help you get started. So taking a very kind of sequential approach here, I'm just going to start with from the bottom up with what is known as the Langstroth hive. And this is a basic hive configuration that consists of a a box that has a dimension of uh, 16 inches wide by 19 and 7 eighths inches deep and 9 and 5 eighths inches high. Now, before I go too much further in that, that's just 
one way of doing things, right? You don't have to have hives of that dimension. You can make hives any size you want. If you're a woodworker and you're crafty, you may say, I don't want 16 inches wide. I want to do something that is only going to be for half of that. And I want to make it nine inches. uh, I'm sorry, eight inches wide. And you can do whatever you want to do. The bees are very accommodating, right? If they find a home and they like it and they're happy there, they don't care if it's, you know, 16 inches wide, 18 inches wide, they don't care. Now, what I will tell you is something I've learned over the years is bees have a tendency to want to move up, right? Visualize your beehive like a tree. And, you know, bees are going to make a, a hive and form their colony inside of a hollowed tree. And it's a little bit more narrow, but very vertically driven, right? Up and down. I have found over the years that a more narrow hive does better for me, but that's just my experience. On the standard Langstroth hive, we're going to have the options of either an 8 or a 10 frame. When I first started keeping bees, everything I did was based on the 10 frame. Uh, I didn't really have a reason behind it. I just thought, well, there's two more frames and it doesn't really have a difference in price. It gives me more space and capacity for the bees. I'll go 10 frame. I think in hindsight, if I were going to stay with that model of the larger full-size hive, I would probably trim it down to the 8 frame just because, like I I mentioned a minute ago, the bees tend to want to move more vertically than they do laterally or horizontally across the hive. So I would probably look at that if I were starting over. Everything that I have that's of that full size right now is the 10 frame, so I'm not going to go back on that. But where it is advantageous on the 10 frame to go with 10 frame hardware. I've adopted a strategy that Michael Palmer, and Michael Palmer is a well, you know, well world renowned beekeeper based out of Vermont. Guy's been keeping bees for probably 35 years, 40 years. Really, really smart guy. He has a system where he will take a 10 frame deep box. And when I say a deep box, that's, that's the dimensions I just gave you the 16 by 19 and 7 eighths by nine and five eighths. That's a standard deep box. He'll take a deep box, put a divider down the middle of it, and then he'll have a bottom board, which we'll talk about in a minute, that is basically divided in half as well. And then he'll put one hive on one side, one on the other, one of them faces forward, one faces back, and you're actually putting two hives in the same footprint that you normally put one. They have no access to each other, but they're still occupying that same space or the same um, total, total space that you would for a single hive. When you add additional frames or capacity on top of that, you basically put a four-frame nuke on each side and go vertically. So you'll start with four frames on the left, four frames on the right, and then a divider in the middle. You add a nuke on each side that has four frames. Now you have eight frames, and you continue moving up that way. And then you'll essentially have two bees occupying, again, the same overall footprint in the apiary that you would normally have a single hive. I jumped ahead a little bit there, but that's that's something that I have kind of moved to. I've, I found it to be pretty effective. The bees, again, they like to move vertically. The other type of hive body that you would see would be a, um, there's generally three types. There's the deep, the medium, and the shallow. All the dimensions from the width and the length are the same across all three. The difference is the height. So a medium is going to be three inches shorter at six and five eighths. And a shallow is a little bit shorter than that at five and seven eighths inch. I have personally never used a shallow. Uh, What I do is I use deeps for what's called the brood chamber. We'll talk about that a little more. And I use mediums for my honey supers. Now, working our way from the bottom of the hive up, 
So the very bottom thing that you will have in your hive is going to be your stand. And the stand can be comprised of a number of different things. So for example, what I used to have was a, some like regular two by fours and I cut them about 15 inches high. I made a base on top of that, nailed it all together, put a little bit of glue on there, painted everything. And that was my, my stand. That was my hive stand. From the hive stand, I would then put on you know, the, the next components and pieces. But over the years, I, again, as the apiary gets bigger and bigger, you want to try and save time wherever you can. When I was doing that, I had one hive, two hives, four, eight. You know, I think that I think I stopped making those stands at around eight hives. When I was looking for a better way to do it, I found probably the simplest and cleanest way was just a pallet. I am putting four hives on a pallet, and if you do them in the configuration I just mentioned, you can actually have eight. You'd have two colonies in each section, which I'll, again, I'll get a little deeper on that in a second here, but you take a pallet, and then on top of the pallet, you can put a bottom board. The bottom board is the next component that goes into forming that structure of what is the hive. Now, the bottom board has a couple of options here. There are basically, as far as I'm aware of, there's only two. I'm sure that somebody might tell you that there are other options. But you have the option of a solid bottom board, which is just a solid piece of wood. Or I think I've even seen some that are like a hard, hard like an ABS, a plastic. And the other option is a screened bottom board. Now, I think your old school, you know, diehard beekeepers will say, well, there is no screen in a tree. So why do I need a screen, you know, on the hives that I keep, Right. I don't disagree with that. I think that, you know, there's some merit in that argument. I've seen my bees when they get really hot in the summertime, when it's mid nineties, you know, temperatures in the low eighties at night, they will come outside the hive and they will beard and you'll look at the hive and you'll see at the bottom near the entrance, it, it literally forms a gigantic beard on the bottom of the hive. And this is just, it just gets hot inside the hive and the bees will come out to kind of cool off. I have found that if I use a screened bottom board in the summertime, the bees tend to be in the hive more. They're they're outside the hive less. You know, one thing I have an issue with here is dragonflies and some of these Asian hornets and the European hornets. I've got a bunch of different things around that are always messing with the bees. So in my opinion, the more time they're spending in the hive or not just sitting around outside the hive, the kind of the happier I am just for their safety. But it seems to me, like I said, that with the screened bottom board, they seem to respond well to that in the summertime. But I've had hives side by side, same conditions, that have really performed about the same, whether I had a screened bottom board there or not. But I've also had a hive that got a little overcrowded, a little unhappy with the temperature, and they absconded. They actually just, absconding is basically when the bees, for whatever reason, aren't happy with the conditions in the hive. They get stressed out, and they pack up and they move. They head somewhere else. So I have had bees absconded, and the only thing that I could see was the possibility that maybe they just got a little hot. What I would tell you to do is, and, and there are a couple ways you can do this. The screen bottom boards I have, actually, I bought them. Uh, I think at this point I would make them because I have uh, more woodworking hardware and, and equipment now. I would probably just make my own. But I bought them, and they actually had a lip on the underside where you could insert about like a three sixteenths, maybe a quarter inch piece of wood. 
So you could have the screened portion during the summertime. And then when it cooled off, you could just insert that, you know, three, eight, three sixteenths or one quarter inch piece, a uh, piece of wood in there. And that would protect them, you know, from the cool air coming up in the wintertime. What I've always done just in the interest of keeping things as warm as possible in there during the off season, during the winter, I've just gone ahead and pulled the screen board off and put a solid board down every winter. What I would tell you is if you're trying to save money and every penny, you know, every penny counts and you don't have any cash to get extra hardware, I would say just buy a solid bottom board and don't worry about it. If you have a couple of bucks and you want to try something different, you're buying two hives this spring, get one solid board and get one screened bottom board, see how they do all summer. And as you get ready to go into the winter, you know, maybe you make a decision. Maybe you slide, you know, that piece of, uh, you know, piece of quarter inch board in there and see how they do for the winter. Or maybe you just go ahead and add another solid bottom board and go from there. There's, a, you know, some flexibility there. You do what you, you want to do. If you only have one choice, buy the solid bottom board. The next thing that, that I would say would be something that you'll want to do is, I shouldn't say that you'll want to do, something you would want to be aware of. It is quite often advertised that the next thing you should put in is a uh, slotted rack. And essentially what this is, is it's a rack. It's, it's, like a, it's almost like a spacer. And it adds probably like an inch and a half or so of space in between the bottom board and your first hive body. And it just has slots of, you know, slats of wood that run across it. And that's it. And I think that the idea here is that by creating that separation between the bottom board and, and giving a little bit of a gap that it allows for better ventilation and that helps in cooling the hive. I bought into that my first season and I used those racks for about two years I think I still have about eight of them. I have not used them since then, and I don't think we're having any problems in the apiary. I guess I could do an experiment next year and try and see if adding it back in makes a difference. My opinion, skip the slotted rack. You don't need it. The next thing that you'll put into your hive will be, a, and we're just assuming that you're going to use a deep hive body here. Now, you don't have to. You can use all shallows, all mediums, all deeps. You do it however you want to do. The one thing I will tell you to keep in mind, as you are, you are selecting the hardware you want to use, keep in mind that whether it's full of brood, honey, nectar, pollen, bees, whatever it might be, the bigger that box is and the more full that the individual frames are, remember we talked about like an 8-frame versus a 10-frame, that's just you know how many frames will physically fit into that hive body, if you have a deep hive body, 10 frame, and it is fully loaded out with bees, honey, you know, nectar, pollen, it's heavy. And if you're 22 years old, you know, 18 to 25 or whatever, and you still like to lift heavy stuff and you can do it all day long and you're in great shape, have at it. I'm in my late 40s. I'm not going to do it anymore. So I have pretty much, I still do keep a deep hive body for the first first hive body is a deep. From here, I kind of vary it based on the hive. Hey everyone, thank you for listening. I hope that you're enjoying the show and are finding the information to be useful and valuable. In order to help keep the lights on, we do need to take a quick commercial break. Thank you so very much for hanging in there and I appreciate you. We will be right back. At 
Grand Canyon University, we believe in equal opportunity, and the American dream starts with purpose. Whether your pursuit involves a bachelor's, master's, or doctoral degree, GCU's learning environments are designed for supportive networking and collaboration. With over 330 academic programs, GCU provides a path to help you fulfill your dreams. The pursuit to serve others is yours. Find your purpose at GCU. Private. Christian. Affordable. Visit gcu.edu. All right, everyone, welcome back, and thank you for staying with us today. As always, feel free to reach out if you have any questions or comments. I always enjoy hearing about your experiences, answering questions, and learning more about the challenges you're facing in different parts of the world. So please keep them coming. It's Jeff at beekeepingfornewbies.com. Now let's get back to the show on the Beekeeping for Newbies radio network. Okay, that's not a real thing, but I'm trying to make it sound more official, so just play along, all right? Thanks a lot. And there are a lot of different options with this as well. So this is what's kind of cool about beekeeping is you can just do what you want to do, and the only thing the only thing you really have to answer to is the colony. So if the colony does not respond well to something you do, do something different. I, I If you walked around my apiary and saw what I have, I have four-frame nukes by themselves. I have four-frame nukes stacked two and three high. I have four-frame nukes side-by-side side on a single bottom board that's divided in the middle, with two nukes on top of each one of them. I have single five-frame nukes, single two-frame nukes, two-frame nukes with multiple two-frame nukes stacked on top of them, right? The hives respond differently at different times a year, and I do the best I can to kind of accommodate what I'm seeing with them. So you don't have to do something one way, and every one of your hives is identical. And you can change. You can put, for example, I had a hive this year that uh, I actually caught a swarm I set up something was called a swarm trap, which is basically just an empty hive that has a little bit of drawn comb in it. Doesn't have to, but it helps because it kind of has that natural smell of what a you know a hive would typically smell like with the wax and the propolis and everything. But I set this swarm trap up, and I use this stuff called uh, swarm lure. I think it is. It's a little spray bottle. It's not that expensive. Put a couple of sprays of that on the inside of it during swarm season, and I left it out, and I caught a swarm. You know, a group of bees swarmed, went to the hive, moved in. They had a laying queen. Everything was going great. I checked on them, you know, a couple weeks later. They were not expanding very quickly. So I immediately, at that point when I saw that, snatched them out, put them into a four-frame nuke, and left it at that. That gave it, it allowed them to have a smaller area to defend. Uh, One thing that's particularly a pain in the butt where I live is is wax moths. I don't know what the deal is, but they just love to to get into the hives. And those moths will creep in. They'll find an area where there aren't a lot of bees and there's a little bit of comb. And they'll lay these eggs and these larvae will be born. And they're like little maggots almost. And they'll just crawl through the whole hive and they'll destroy it. I mean, they will just absolutely destroy the hive. So if, if the bees have a smaller area to maintain and protect... It makes it a little bit easier for them to defend against wax moth and, and other things like that that kind of get in there and wreak havoc. But that's just one example of, you know, a change or an adaption that I made from a hive that was in a 10-frame, you know, deep hive bite. And I took them down to a, you know, four-frame nuke. Now, beyond that first deep, you have some options here. There is a thing that is called a queen excluder, and some of them are plastic that just a big piece of plastic with these divisions in them that will not allow a queen to pass through, but will allow workers to pass through both ways. 
Uh, they can be plastic, metal. I've seen them in frames, so they actually put a wooden frame around them. Those are the ones that I prefer because they're easier to get on and off, and they maintain a better seal. But you can take that first uh, hive by, that first deep, and have that dedicated as a brood chamber for the queen. You can put a queen excluder on top of that. You can put another medium or a deep on top of that, whatever you want to do. And if you put it, let's say you put a deep on top of that, and the bees go in there, they draw up all the comb, they'll store, you know, honey and other resources up in that area. And then when it's time for your honey and what you want to have, then you can go ahead and put a medium on top of that. Medium is what I usually use for my honey supers. If you want to put a deep, you can. But again, just remember, I think my last, I feel like the last medium I pulled off was around 30 pounds, 35 pounds for a single medium. So you're probably looking at like 45 or 50 pounds of honey on a deep. So if you can lift that up and move it off, and, and, and that's that works for you by all means, right? But, but I recommend putting a medium on for a honey super. Now, a lot of beekeepers, if you do the math behind it and how many eggs a queen can lay in a given brood cycle, right? So, you know, going from egg to worker in, in three weeks, in a typical cycle like that, she should not be able to physically fill up an entire single brood chamber or one deep full of frames. People debate it back and forth as to what makes the most sense and why you should or shouldn't do it one way or another. A lot of beekeepers are very successful with the single brood chamber approach. You don't have to do it that way. Skip the queen excluder, put one deep down, put a second deep on top of that. Right Now, don't do them immediately. Put the first one in there, let the workers draw up all the comb, let the queen start laying, start building up the hive, you know, getting uh, the colony really established before you add on that next hive body. We will discuss in, in much greater detail down the road as to when the timing is right for those those moves and those changes. But if you were to decide that your approach is going to be a double brood chamber, you have your first deep, you put a second deep on top of that. Remembering that everything that's in there is dedicated to your colony. You don't mess with it. I mean, you inspect it, you make sure everything is going well as far as production and hygiene and all those things, but those are not your resources. When it's time for the honey that you want for yourself or your friends, family, whatever it might be, that's where you go into that upper section. Now, the whole queen excluder thing that I just talked about is sort of a, it's almost like a religious thing. You know, some people are very much against queen excluders and you know they'll, they'll tell you all the reasons why you shouldn't use them. And others will tell you that it's no big deal. I use them all the time. Uh, I've done both. I've used them. I've not used them. I would say the majority of the time, the queen is pretty good about isolating herself down into those lower areas that you've kind of already designated for for her to have as a brood chamber. Uh, I just it just doesn't. It's not problematic for me. I guess if I were uh, if I were in a situation where for whatever reason that queen came up into those higher hive bodies and and laid a frame of eggs. I guess I would just look to the outer frames and harvest honey off of them. But honestly, I, I'm trying to rack my brain here to even think if there's a time when that's really been an issue. Now, I've had smaller hives where I've only had two hive bodies, and then she's come up you know, where I didn't have a queen excluder and she's laid in the upper chamber, but that's not unusual. So on top of your top hive body, whichever it is, whether it's a single brood chamber, double brood chamber, you have your honey super or not, once you get above your supers, the next thing you will see will be dependent on, on again, kind of your layout and, and how you are doing things. For example, 
I occasionally will use a top feeder. So it'll be a feeder that will just be in the very top of the hive. Some of them I have are, are, you know, I think it's about maybe three or four inches high. Hold about a half a gallon of sugar water. And uh, the bees will, you know, go up, do their thing, bring it, bring the sugar water back down, store it somewhere, and they're fine. You may also have frame feeders. I do like frame feeders. They are a good way to keep sugar water inside the hive, protected from robbing or anything outside the hive. And uh, it doesn't require you to add on an entire other hive body or section on top of the hive. What you may also see in uh, a situation where you are going to try to extract honey, you may have a, let's say, for example, you had a single deep, a second deep on top, and both of those being your brood chamber, and then you had a honey super on top of that. If it's time to harvest that honey, then what you can do is use like an, what's called an escape screen. And it's basically, it's a screen in a wooden frame that you put on top of that, that second deep hive body in between the hive body and your honey super. It allows the bees to go come from that upper hive body, your honey super, and go down into the brood chamber, but will not allow them to come back up. This is what you'll do right before you harvest honey. That way you don't have to kind of you know arm wrestle with a couple thousand bees to get them off of those honey frames lastly if you are or are not either way if you're using a top feeder you're not doesn't matter the last thing that's going to go on the outside of the hive at the top on the inside of the hive i'm sorry at the top would be an inner cover you can do uh, you know wooden inner covers you can do i've moved a lot to the cloth inner covers i really like those quite a bit i use different ones for different hives depending on what i'm what I'm doing with them, like I use for my double hives, like I mentioned earlier, where I have a 10-frame hive body divided in the middle, four frames on each side, and then I stack four-frame nukes on top of those. When I get to the tops of those, I do use a standard wooden inner cover, and I cover up the opening. It looks like a handle in the top of them so that no bees can have a way to get any way to get across from one hive to the other. And then I put a standard outer cover. And they call it a telescoping outer cover. There's a couple different different types of tops you can use. There's like a standard outer cover. There's a telescoping outer cover. There's different ways to do it. The important thing is that you're providing a lid on top of the hive to prevent you know rain and moisture and things from getting in. So quick recap. You have your stand. You have your bottom board. Hive bodies. You may or may not have a queen excluder. You may or may not have honey supers. You may or may not have a top feeder. You may have a frame feeder, inner cover, outer cover. So all of these represent the traditional, you know, what you see on TV in the movies and videos, beehives. I, I did touch on that kind of 10-frame divided approach that I've been using a little bit from Michael Palmer. I think that's pretty solid. Two-frame nukes. I really like these for starting out package bees. You can take an entire package of bees. It's particularly good if you have drawn comb already, but you give a package of bees this small space. It's springtime. Sometimes the nights can still be a little bit cool, so it allows them to maintain a tight cluster in there, and uh, it's, it's just great for, for letting these new hives get established. The ideal way of doing it to me is to at least have one frame completely drawn out of comb. If you have two, that's great, but also being able to put a small top feeder on top of that I just think it's a great way to go. It's a great way to get these bees kind of jump-started in their new home. And it's also a great way to expand your apiary because 
in the spring, as they get overcrowded, because they will multiply very, very quickly in those two-frame nukes. And when they get overcrowded, they'll immediately start making queen cells. And you can start using these queen cells to make new hives. And it is super easy to do with those two-frame nukes. Four-frame nuke is the same kind of thing, right? I, the reason that I've really gone to this four-frame nuke is just, just for consistency. It is so easy now to go between standalone nukes as this new nuke is being stood up and it's coming together and they're looking strong and everything is good. I can pick that nuke up, walk over to another area and just set that onto one of those doubled deeps and just establish a new hive. Now you may not, I I say walk right over. You probably should take it several miles away. Uh, That's again, another subject for another time, but you don't move bees within the apiary because what ends up happening is you move a hive 30 feet away all the bees that have been foragers there already, they'll leave the hive. And when they come back, they end up going back to that old location quite often. So you'll, I've done this before very early in my uh, beekeeping career. And the bees will come back to that old location. You'll see a small cluster of bees hanging out there. And you're just thinking like, oh, crap, I kind of messed up on that one. But what I was getting at is, is being able to take them, for example, if I have some at my house and I take them to my apiary or if I take them from my apiary to a friend's place or a different piece of property, you know, five, six, ten miles away. That's an option. You can just pick them up and move them fairly easily. And it's not uncommon for a larger apiary to have several out apiaries that are, you know, you may have a primary apiary apiary with, you know, 500 hives. And then you have like a mating yard and maybe you have like a queen rearing yard. You know, you can divide your apiary up into different segments depending on what you're doing in different places depending on what forage is available in those areas and you know just what makes sense but as a small time small scale person i'll tell you i'm a huge fan huge fan of the nukes i if i were starting over again right now i would like i said i would keep some of my original 10 frame stuff but if i were going to stay in a larger footprinted hive i would stay with the eight frame but if i were starting a new operation where i wanted to have eight 10 20 hives those four frame nukes, you cannot go wrong with them because of the way they stack so well or double stack so well on the 10 frame deeps. There's also five frame nukes. These are the ones that I use primarily. Like if I'm doing splits of hives and I'm not really sure what I'm going to do with them, I'll just put them in a five frame, you know, or sometimes I'll take a two frame that's really, really blowing up, but I don't necessarily want them to be overcrowded and start making queen cells. I'll move them over to a five frame and see how they do. See how quickly they fill it out. I have had hives and colonies that have filled out everything in a nuke, drawn up all the comb and everything within a couple of days. I mean, when the nectar flow is on and they have a good population and the bees are hustling, it is not that hard for them to draw up a lot of comb in a short period of time. Well, everyone, I think that that pretty much covers what I was hoping to to go over today. Uh, Kind of a quick, you know, recap across the board, right? We talked about components, parts, pieces of the hive. We talked about things you do need, things you don't need. I would say pretty much almost everything is in the do need list. I would say that the slotted rack is probably not necessary. The escape screen, if you're not worrying about honey right now, not an issue, not something you need to worry about. Queen excluder, watch the videos, try it out, you know, see what you think. I like having them around, but I don't necessarily use them all the time. So probably a good thing to have outside of that. Uh, Like I said, the other big decision is around weight. So maybe having a a split between, you know, deeps for the brood chamber, mediums for your honey, nothing wrong with that. I've had hives before that are all mediums from the bottom up. I used three mediums 
that I dedicated for the queen and her workers and the colony. And then I had two or three mediums above that for honey supers. So whatever you want to do, try it out, experiment, play around with different things. If you have any questions, concerns, anything that I might have missed or some hardware that you heard about that I didn't bring up, shoot me a note. I'll, I'll cover it on a future podcast or uh, we can just chat about it via email or whatever works for you. So again, it's going to be uh, beekeepingfornewbies.com and uh, we'll look forward to talking to you again soon. Take care. Enjoy the rest of the weekend. Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply at LifeMD.com. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications through LifeMD? LifeMD is now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. Probably the easiest thing I've ever done. The medication comes in the mail and it's very easy to use. I've been able to live my normal lifestyle and I've lost 20 pounds already and I've never felt better. It changed my life. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at TryLifeMD.com. That's T-R-Y-L-I-F-E-M-D.com. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.